Welcome to the Outdoor States Podcast. As an outdoor rec economy advocate myself in the state of Vermont, I've been having conversations with people around the country about this topic for the last several years, and, and repeatedly I'm just blown away by how interesting these people are, how insightful they are, how passionate they are on this topic. So I decided to make a podcast. Welcome Juan Martinez and Martin LeBlanc to Outdoor States Podcast. It's it's great to have you guys on here. And um, and Juan, great great to great to know we do have a little bit of a Jackson Hole connection there. Just you know, uh, you're here as um, you're the director of strategic partnerships for the Children and Nature Network. And and Martin, um, you're here as the principal at LBC Action. Um, and I'm really psyched that you guys are both here. We're going to talk a little bit about you know a whole bunch of different stuff. But let's I really like starting with sort of how people got here. And Juan, you were just telling me about how how your whole journey in, in this place started with a trip to Wyoming. I'm just, could, could you just go over that one more time? Because that's a fantastic story. Yeah. So when I was 15, I was part of a of a high school program through, through Dorsey High School, which um, many people don't recognize that name. They recognize Crenshaw High School. And Crenshaw and Dorsey High School are rivals more in the sense of um, traditional rivalries, but they're also the birthplace of the Bloods and the Cribs. And so this urban gardening program was uh, created to as a gang intervention and in a, in a, in a strategic, uh, an opportunity for young people to learn from each other and learn that there's a lot more, that we have a lot more alike than we have in difference. Um, and so... And so I got, I got to be a part of that. I got, um, I got an ultimatum in high school. I, they said either stay in detention or you go to this thing called Eco Club. And I went to Eco Club and um, we got to do some urban gardening, work with Food from the Hood, which uh, built uh, garden plots all over South Central LA and, and did, um, and through that we, we were able to build some um, uh, salad dressing that also uh, allowed us to uh, raise some funds for college tuition and stuff like that. At the end of that program, I ended up uh, getting a scholarship opportunity to attend the Teton Science Schools. And that opportunity really kicked off everything for me to see a free flowing river for the first time, to see the mountains for the first time, uh, to see a night sky full of stars uh, at, for the first time at the age of 15 uh, really changed my paradigm. And um, but also reminded me of how much love and, and support I had back in my community in South Central LA that I've been dedicating the rest of my life to figuring out how to build equity gaps, how to um, fill the equity gaps between those two worlds. That's incredible. And so, uh, you know, you were saying you were at the Teton Science School in that program in 1999 at the age of 15. Do you have a specific memory of the uh, of being in Teton County at that point? Uh, um, a sunset, or I mean, you said you saw the uh, free flowing river for the first time. Or what what really sticks out in your brain there? I think a couple of things. One of them is is that for the first time in a long time, I felt like I had found a place where uh, the sun didn't look at you any different because of the way that you dressed. Um, the river didn't ask you how much money you had in your bank account, and the mosquitoes really didn't care. So you were 15 uh, in 1999. Um, you started on this path in terms of all the things that you're doing. When did you get connected with the Children and Nature Network? And, and I'm really interested because, you know, I see that 
the book Last Child in the Woods was really key to the formation of that network. Um, and, and I'm wondering if, were, were you there from the very beginning on this? It seems like it's right about the right time. Yeah, I, I think this is a perfect segue for Martin because it's, it's always going to be Martin's fault. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but Martin and I were working, part, part of me coming back to LA and, and being inspired and motivated to do more for my community was how, uh, seeking out different opportunities. And one of those opportunities was with, through Sierra Club. And they were just launching their environmental justice programs around that. And, and one of the things that uh, Martin and I were able to do was, was to, was first Martin showed up in South Central LA, which for um, uh, a 20 something young white guy uh, from Sacramento at that time to show up in South Central LA talking about nature was pretty brave in it of itself. But the way that Martin did it was in a very authentic way by showing respect for the community and asking people, what do you want to see out of this? And, and he asked me that question exactly, which I think up to that point, I was being the poster boy and, and, you know, I was this bald headed kid who talked pretty about mountains and, and birds and, and stuff like that. But nobody up to that point had asked me what I wanted to do for my community. And that was one of the things that Martin did. Um, and together we created this leadership development Academy um, called the uh, Sierra club environmental justice Academy. Um, and we were working together and Martin is actually the one who introduced me to uh, Richard Louvre and the, and the last child in the woods uh, movement and, and the children nature movement. And that's how we got to end up uh, at CNN. And Martin, so Martin, how were you, how did you interact with the book and did you know the author? Was that something that, sort of accelerated you or and or, or did it start you off down this path um well thanks drew for for having us on and once again juan shows up on one of these with his dorsey complex um you know still, <laughs> still still having his issues with crenshaw i remember when juan used to uh lead um kind of discussions with crenshaw eco club students he always would make sure that he would point out that he couldn't find his ring and then would point out that he had a city championship football ring from Dorsey where he was a star nose tackle. <laughs> um, you know, I, I will say that uh, similar, I think one of the things that drew that bonded Juan and I early on um, was, you know, I am, did, was not a, you know, did not have gang experiences in LA, but I was a troubled kid myself um, and had kind of a moment in high school where I was either going to military school or an outward bound experience um, on Hurricane Island in Maine. And that outward bound experience um, humbled me and, or tried to humble me uh, and had a very impactful um, experience on my own development. And to me, it wasn't at that point just about the engagement with the outdoors as kind of the end result, but how the outdoors helped me from a youth development perspective, get the confidence to just be a better person and frankly, just to make it out of a pretty bad situation. So I give you that construct because that was something that even at that time, which was 1992, I was very fascinated with the interaction between humans and the outdoors and not just the end result being kind of the outdoors, but being the fact that it made communities and I think people better themselves. And that, that's where I found the power. And frankly, went through at that point, a, a period where I, I struggled with that, whether it was in college and studying environmental policy, whether that was working at the Sierra Club, which I'm very proud of my 10 years at the Sierra Club, there was always kind of the end result was let's get the next conservation 
advocate. Let's get, you know, let's get the next kid outdoors because it's just good to have somebody outdoors. And I think Juan and I bonded you early on around that the outdoors wasn't the end result. The outdoors was a strategy um, to actually help better our communities because that's where Juan and I have always bonded from day one. And we've been, you know, working together for 15 years. He's T.O. or uncle to my daughter. But we bonded around that. That outdoors is not the end result, but it's a strategy that actually can really help better our communities. Um, and so I say that in the context of Children Nature Network because I was struggling in my own career to find how that could resonate with conservation groups and others. And I think the brilliance of Richard Liu's Last Child in the Woods was that he was talking about how that lack of an outdoor connection wasn't affecting nature, but how it was affecting our communities and humans. And the reason I kind of found out about it was that my father, actually a very old school man in the best way possible, sent me a cut out article of a review of Last Child in the Woods um, and sent it to me in snail mail and said, Martin, if you do not read this and connect with this author, Richard Lube, you're dumber than you look. Um, <laughs> And that led to me to, to reaching out to Rich. Um, and actually, Juan was involved in this. I was driving uh, a group of young, committed, uh, diverse cohorts down to a Sierra Club training in San Diego. Rich was based there. And Last Child to Come Out was having success. And this says, I think, a lot about Richard Louvdrew. He gave me an afternoon and said, just come and let's meet. And we ended up uh, eating Chinese food, um, drinking just a few fermented beverages, and actually arguing um, over some of the points in his book. And that actually led... Um, him to include me as um, a group of uh, peers that he put together as a cohort to help found the Children Nature Network. And I, I will just say on that real quickly that Rich's passion wasn't around just creating a network to create an organization. But when, I mean, Rich had been, you know, best-selling author on multiple books, not about connecting people to the outdoors. But when he was out there speaking and giving his, you know, book tour on last child in the woods people kept saying to him what's next and as an author he was used to saying well i'm going to write another book but he realized that he hit something special in last child in the woods and that there needed to be some sort of network that could help kind of connect all of the different sectors that care about the outdoors and bring it together to really highlight the value of the outdoors in health and education in conservation youth development all the sectors and make sure that the grass tops, the grassroots are connected and make sure that you're building a evidence library and research that shows that the outdoor connection is not soft, but actually a very hard issue. In, my, in what little I know of the Children in Nature Network, I think it's really interesting that you pointed out that, you know, one of the uh, early epiphanies is that the outdoors is, is kind of a, is not the end result, it's the tool to improving our communities. And when I look at the Children in Nature Network, I, I actually, it reminds me kind of of a conservation organization and that it's, it's, it has a lot of chips on the table out there. It's, it's working on a lot of different things that are moving towards this big goal, you know, and, and um, you know, many different chapters, many different people, you know, everything from data to, you know, events and things like that. But at some point something had to come first. And, and, and I'm curious, you know, um, what were some of the first things, and, and Juan, what, what, what was the first time that, that this kind of came across your desk? So one of, the, one of the first times that Children and Nature Network showed up in my desk was, was one through Martin, but the second opportunity was when I had the chance to sit down with Rich and, and talk really at heart about everything that he had written and 
there was almost this moment where where we kind of had a crossroads and my challenge to him was how do you take um the written word and the motivation and the excitement and the energy that he had built and transfer it not only into research and database which i think the children nature network does is is one of the premier organizations doing that out there how do you turn that into a tangible um action tool for people to motivate and and build a constituency around and and activate around and that that i think has been my my life's work with the children and nature network and at least what what i've been uh building in there through the natural leaders network that looks at young individuals uh young professionals that are coming into the into this field and really uh, motivated and excited to be plugged into this conservation and environmental stewardship uh and world but oftentimes find um, that those opportunities are, are either lacking or, or that they find themselves being one of the few people of color uh, in those rooms. And how do we start to change the narrative of what nature means, not just to, the, to a, a uh, taking it away from this narrative of a guy in a backpack hiking up a mountain, but really being able to embrace the multifaceted ways that we that everybody engages with nature. When you, when you are working with the Children in Nature Network and with Fresh Tracks, um, and you're trying to, get, trying, to, trying to get more attention from existing outdoor businesses, what is, what is the strategy there? What is the, what's, what's the low-hanging fruit? What's, what's, the, what's the, the simplest path to make to getting what you're trying to get achieved? Yeah. Sure. Um, I always defer to, to Mr. Martinez. I mean, I, I, and I want to defer on, on some of this because I think he does bring in, um, you know, a, a unique perspective and, and experience on it. Um, you know, I, I, I think one of the things that we're observing, and I think we've seen this through Fresh Tracks, which we're, you know, working with young people and partner organizations, um, who aren't based around the outdoors. And I think that's one of the issues with kind of the outdoor recreation industry, the conservation movements, is that these are very committed and passionate people in both who have bonded through some pretty incredible either outdoor experiences or a love of place or a love of the environment. But it's very small. Um, and it's not the majority of people in this country or people internationally. And I think one of the constructs that's really important is highlighting and actually having data in many ways evidence and i think we saw this with fresh tracks which which you know from the beginning when the white house and we may get into this later wanted this program to happen we made sure that we were getting resources not just to have you know kind of smiley happy young people outside but to actually have evidence that could show that that outdoor experiences were not just leading to a next generation of conservation stewards we're helping with cultural competency we're helping with civic engagement because these are the kind of data points that not only does the sierra club want to see but the ford foundation the macarthur foundation bloomberg wants to see and if we're truly going to kind of build up the resources in our space and build up the constituency to highlight the power of the outdoors to me, it really is making sure that it is connected to data-driven outcomes that can be based around health, youth development, and 
tangible issues that every community, whether rural, suburban, or urban, are dealing with. And I think sometimes in both the conservation sector and in the outdoor engagement, environmental ed, or outdoor industry sector, we sometimes lose a little bit of sight around that. Juan, do you have thoughts on that too? Yeah, I would offer that that everything that Martin already said there, double that. And then, you know, Fresh Tracks was inspired in, in 2015 by President Obama as with a call to action for bold new programs that use the outdoors to broaden horizons for young Americans and that are facing persistent opportunity gaps. And I think that's that's the that's the crux of this whole thing that if we if we stay on this narrative and this path where we're talking about conservation and environmental stewardship as the primary outcome of what we're trying to accomplish, if we're not looking at health outcomes, both emotional and physical. If we're not looking at um, educational outcomes, if we're not looking at violence reduction outcomes, and and using our our strength and knowledge of what the outdoors can do to um, build up self-confidence, build up communities, community relations in, this, in these spaces. And I think we're doing a disservice to the movement at large. Um, and that's, that's a really, I think the, the Fresh Act kind of represents a lot of what Martin and I have been working up to in the last 15 years is, is this really um, confluence of everything that we've uh, worked towards to, whether it's through, um, civil rights activism, whether it was through environmental um, environmental justice work, um, but Fresh Tracks was, was really this key question of why should somebody in Compton advocate for somebody up in Arctic Circle when um, to protect the caribou herd and, and the no drilling when somebody in Compton is struggling to um, keep their family alive and, and put food on the table at the same time. And I think that's that's the human element that we sometimes forget that if if people care about each other, they care about the issues that they care that are facing their home at the at the at the front line. And um, that's, absolutely, that's the power in Fresh Tracks. Absolutely. Could you give it just a give me the the elevator explanation for Fresh Tracks? Yeah, so I think the, the the need for programs like Fresh Tracks is real. Youth of color are some of the most severely and disappropriately impacted by systems like foster care and justice system. Um, and they face disparities in school discipline and suffer extreme rates of violent victimization. And so in order to address these systems of inequity, some of the biggest drivers um, are, are youth for the solutions, youth and community-driven solutions. And we often are asking these young leaders to step into leadership roles that they have no tools or experience to be able to raise, rise up, and then we, we call them failures for that uh, or, or that there isn't a, a support system for that. And I think that's where Fresh Tracks is really trying to step to, to identify the root causes and reduce uh, the community cohesion that we're facing. Um, so we're we're determined and, and we're determined and dedicated to help address these opportunity gaps and increase community cohesion and strengthen leadership pathways for the next generation, not only for stewardship and conservation, but I think for us as a human race and, and as a society and a, and as Americans that we need to have more dialogue amongst each other and understand where everybody's coming from, um, that we might have different perspectives on different issues, but that there's some things that we can come together on everybody wants a happy family everyone everyone wants a roof over their head everyone wants food on their table 
So what are the things that can get us to those points together? And, and so maybe Martin could speak to this a little. What are, what are, the, what are the key components and tactics of, of Fresh Tracks? I mean, how does, how does, how does this program, um, uh, how, how does it achieve those goals? Sure. Uh, great question. Great overview, Juan. So, I mean, Fresh Tracks, again, that came out of a President Obama initiative in, in 2016, was very directive in that it wanted to connect Indigenous and young people of color together. Um, that was kind of how it started. But what Fresh Tracks is now is it still has the cohorts and the participants of Fresh Tracks are Indigenous, um, indigenous uh, community members, as well as um, you know, young people, I'd say young people, so anywhere 18 to 30, um, from, from predominantly minority communities. And we use the outdoors as a platform for leadership development. So when I say that, like we are making sure that we are doing trainings in the outdoors and giving these young people an outdoor experience. But the outdoor experience is just the platform. The actual training really focuses in on two elements, and that is cultural competency, and making sure that the young people from the different cultures connect, get a sense um, of the different cultures that they're surrounded by and where they come from. And secondly, civic engagement, meaning basically community organizing. And we actually use the Marshall Gans model, which was used by President Obama um, for his election in 2008, as a, and he taught it as a community organizer, as our basic model. But the training is just the first step, Drew, and once that young Fresh Tracks participants go through that training, they and get that kind of, they they get that training to be able to go back to their community. They actually create a community action plan, and that community action plan has tangible goals that are based around civic engagement or cultural competency. They take the skills that they've learned. They're in a peer-to-peer -peer mentoring group with peers like themselves from different communities, so they have a support system. And then they're actually micro-granted out funds, and those funds are then used to help actionalize that community action plan. So while we've built up a cohort of young, committed, together, diverse leaders from both indigenous communities of color across the country with these skills around civic engagement and cultural competency, they're then taking those skills and engaging those skills in their communities with the community action plan and building out their own Fresh Tracks cohort of other committed and like-minded young people that they work with. So hopefully that kind of- um, Totally. Helps sort of, a little bit. Yeah, so you've got, you've got uh, some, what I'm hearing is some key elements. You have sort of the training, the team building, the planning, and then the execution. And all of it is, it sounds like, is um, kind of a, a decreasing facilitation and allowing more and more to be taken over by, the, by these groups, um, if I got that right. How, how, how big is a training session and how many of those are you doing? So we just wrapped up our first year of doing a regional training model last year. And uh, at each one of those trainings, we had on average anywhere between 30 and 40 leaders. Wow. So we've been able to train 172 last year. Um, and I think it, a lot of it is proof and concept now. So in 2019, we're going to take a really deep dive into what, what worked and what didn't work for, for that model and really take into assessment where, where do we need to, um, build a menu of of activation points for these leaders to, to plug into which i think plugs plugs directly into what we're all talking about so how do they uh connect with their outdoor rec offices at, at their state level and and start to look at the agenda whether one there's an agenda that needs to be built or or there's an agenda that needs policy constituency building for 
for us to be able to plug them into. And, and likewise, so looking at other organizations across the country, Opportunity Youth United, who does some fantastic work around uh, voter registration and activation of leadership um, at the ground level and the Wilderness Society and looking at their conservation uh, agenda and, and advocating on, on behalf of the Wichang community up in Arctic uh, Circle, Alaska. Um, and so being able to build that comprehensive agenda where we can present that to these leaders and say, here's a, here's uh, a menu of, of opportunities where we know there's, there's already a backbone organization that's going to be able to support you in advocating for this, but um, being able to put some uh, feet on the ground to really move those agenda items forward. How, so uh, this is a fantastic explanation. So it's almost kind of opportunity mapping as well to try to figure out, you know, where, where are you trying to, where are some of the places that you can take this? It's pretty interesting. In, in terms of the, so you have the training session and then you had, you talked about the, the local impact plans. How, how big of a plan are those? I mean, are those, you know, uh, 60, 90 day plans or are they multi-year plans? Yeah, so, so they're a one-year plan um, that we work with them on. Um, and then the, the, the theory here is that we get them, ex, uh, we start to build on those micro successes at the very local level and really from there start to look at equity-driven, um, equity and system-wide changes that we want to drive towards you. And so that's, that's kind of the the place where we are right now, which is pretty exciting to start to look at the lay of the land and figure out where, where, where are those strategies? And if they're not there, how can we start to build towards them? When did Fresh Tracks start and when did it kind of hit its stride? Just timeline wise. Juan, so you started, want me? Yeah, go ahead, Juan, go ahead. Please. Yeah, so we started in 2015 with the pilot, uh, which was the proof and concept. We wanted to, you know, we put a strong evaluation at the forefront of it to really prove to ourselves and, and to the community at large that this, this method worked uh, in improving community organizing skills for, for young leaders. Um, then we did a train the trainer in 2016, uh, where we brought back some of the leaders and recruited some other young stars across the country to become the trainers for Fresh Tracks. And then in 2018, we did the regional breakout where we targeted four regions across the US. So that's Northeast based out of Boston, the Southwest out of, um, out of, uh, of Albuquerque, um, the West Coast out of LA, and then the, the Midwest uh, out of Chicago. And so uh, those were kind of our regional hubs for, for the time being for 2018. And in 2019, we're, we're in that uh, phase where we're going to start planning for 2020, which is going to be a big year on many different uh, uh, fronts. Yeah, for sure. And so the follow-up question to that is, you know, I mean, in, a, in any multi-year initiative, there probably were some initial goals or assumptions. H has there been any major learning points that were, were unexpected um, or, or kind of emerged in the last, within the last 12 months? Um, I, I might just kind of, you know, take a, a stab at that. I think one of the things that we, and we actually held a, 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 a kind of a summit at the Aspen Institute at the Center for Native American Youth, um, who is the, who owns Fresh Tracks. And I want to really highlight that. I think, you know, one of the things to note, Drew, is when this program started, like a lot of initiatives that started at the White, the White House, it was actually kind of homeless after. And I want to give some immense credit to the Aspen Institute, which is led by Dan Porterfield and Eric Stegman at the Center for Native American Youth, because they 
they had no need or reason to actually bring an outdoor program in. But kind of going back to Juan's points they made earlier, they saw the value on this and how it could actually make impact on some of the social sector outcomes that they were striving and fighting for. Um, and so I think what we've learned in the last year is that, and we saw through actually four case studies that were highlighted at kind of the summit that we held in January, is that the young people I think are really are taking this training and the peer-to-peer -peer mentorship has become critical because it's giving them kind of a cohort which they can kind of map out their plans with and then leverage those plans into actual impact. And it was just very interesting to see Devin Edwards, who's a My Brother's Keeper leader, who's you know a former um, incarcerated youth, who's now a, you know, a ledge director for a Massachusetts legislator, has been featured on ESPN with President Obama, talking about his relationship with a young man, Trenton, um, you know, from North Dakota, from Standing Rock, and talking about how he had no idea about, you know, pipeline development, and nor does he really know that, but seeing how that affected Trenton's community gave him kind of the motivation to research, understand the issue because of that cultural competency piece, which is so, uh, uh, you know, which is such a big part of the Fresh Tracks model. So I think really seeing that peer-to-peer was was critical and also i think another thing i would just add is it and i want to really give uh respect that evaluation piece that we talked about you early on we've had our evaluation uh done by um an incredible professor dr sharani little um who's at the strategist group also is a professor at the usc uh, marshall school of business and having a woman of color um and a woman who's incredibly successful and the young people seeing that uh, a young woman kind of highlighted how in watching Dr. Little and the work that she's done and the evidence base that she's given gave her the confidence and the motivation to actually organize in Pullman, Washington, a very rural conservative town, an initiative to change Columbus Day to Indigenous Day. And she said when things got tough that she learned so much and thought about how Sharani and the work she did and the training she did. So I think also for us learning that to put not just peer-to-peer -peer support, but have the mentors also um, be folks that uh, the cohorts can see are successful has really helped kind of build out our outcomes. Super interesting. Um, how, do, how, do, how does Fresh Tracks um, both find people and candidates for, for their leadership training and their, their, their community planning initiatives or, or vice versa? How, how do the, how do, how do people find fresh tracks? I mean, how, what is, is there a, um, um, I mean, I know it's, it's like the whole point is developing pipelines, but at the same point, is there some sort of a um, better than average pipeline to, to, for people to engage with fresh tracks? So it's a, it's a bit of a hybrid model, one of them, uh, but I think over, overall, it's, it's re having really good partners uh, on our side. And so the Center for Native American Youth out of the Aspen Institute has been um, a tremendous partner and, and, and now um, leads the, the effort forward, which I think is, is pretty significant in and of itself. And so they, they recruit through their network of grassroots community organizations the Opportunity Youth United and Opportunity Youth Incentive Fund, um, who are dealing with uh, working on on systems change for Opportunity Youth, who are defined as any any young 
uh, person between the ages of 16 and 25 who is looking for an opportunity to engage with a work or education pathway. Um, through We engage with their network um, and then the Children in Nature Network through the Natural Leaders Network. And, and um, those are young professionals who are uh, of, of uh, conservation and stewardship and nature um, um, uh, uh, career pathways um, to connect with, with this with this uh, network as well. And so it's a, it's been a, from the very beginning, it's been a partnership uh, collaborative um, through, through and through. Um, and the other half of the way that we recruit is by uh, casting a very wide net of, of being able to reach as many young leaders as we can and provide this opportunity out there uh, to as many as we can. What is the relationship between Fresh Tracks and the Children in Nature Network? Is this a, is the Children in Nature Network, um, I, I'm, not, I'm just not sure, is it kind of hands off and these are the programs we recommend or is it, or are the two very, um, very much integrated there? Yeah, so I would say the Children in Nature Network brings a technical assistance experience of, of engaging with nature and the outdoors. Um, and a lot of the language around the benefit of, of how nature is, 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 um, has health equity outcomes or, or violence reduction outcomes. Um, that's the contribution to Fresh Tracks overall uh, for, from the Children Nature Network perspective, as well as our natural leaders network uh, of young leaders who, are, who have gone through similar training um, and, and are building towards this. What is, you know, what do what the next 12 months look for you guys in terms of your work with Fresh Tracks, um, just in terms of, of where, where the big lifts are going to need to happen? Juan, you want to take a shot at that? Yeah. So for the next 12 months, uh, we're going to do some deep dive into looking at strategic vehicles and, and strategies that we want to do. We're going to have a retreat uh, here in August where we're going to bring some of our key partners and leaders across the country and really um, do some, some, uh, some uh, digging into, into what we want to see into 2020. Um, in October uh, of, of this year, we'll be at the Aspen Institute in, in Colorado, um, and we'll be partnering with the Opportunity Youth uh, Forum to, to do some integration of, of what uh, the outdoors, um, the power of the outdoors in, in this field has. And so um, as well as in May, we're going to be at the Children and Nature Network conference, our international conference, which is pretty exciting in and of itself. And I think it's going to be the, uh, uh, one of the highlights to be able to bring uh, what we've learned through Fresh Tracks as some of those outcomes and highlight them in May. So that's, those are our next 12 months. Uh, we hope to kick off 2020 with some uh, intensive trainings and activation tools ready to go. And, and that's, that's where we are. Is, is Fresh Tracks, is it? It, I mean, it seems like it's it, it's broadening, not just hitting its stride. Is it is it is it growing in addition to achieving the goals that you thought it was going to achieve? I, I this is Martin. Yeah, I think it really has. I mean, if you think when it started, it was a cohort of you know twenty four young people from Compton um, and Alaska Indigenous tribes, and to think that last year, you know, we connected two hundred and fifty leaders and four distinct regions and our kind of building out that strategy because we want to make sure that we're doing smart scale, meaning that we're, we're scaling up in a smart and strategic way. So I think, yeah, it is, I mean, if anything for us, I think one of the reasons this year that we, you know, we did so many trainings last year that this year really the emphasis and the focus has been on those community action plans because 
trainings are great, but our goal is really to have that significant deep impact in the community. So I think it is definitely broadening and growing, but we also wanna make sure, and that's what we're doing kind of this year, is working with our supporters, our partners, and most importantly, our youth leaders to determine that next step. So as we scale in 2019, and especially in 2020, we're doing it in a smart way where we don't lose sight of that cultural competency, civic engagement outcome, and are making sure that we have that deep impact. And as, as our, our youth have kind of coined, creating that, um, that youth-led outdoor revolution. What's the tenure? What, what does 10 years from now look like for Fresh Tracks and, and possibly even you know, for the Children in Nature Network? Um, I'll, I'll jump in quick on Children Nature Network, and I think Juan can can uh, handle Fresh Tracks. I just I, I think it's a great question, so I want it because we've had actually a lot of discussion about this at the Children Nature Network at a at a board meeting we had last year. And I think the good news, Drew, is that in the ten years since the Children Nature Network started, the issue is now taken seriously. Like you are seeing right. outdoors and nature being highlighted as helping provide outcome, you know, health outcomes, whether that's you know, vitamin, vitamin N prescriptions and, and other evidence-based work that's out there. You're seeing it in education. You're seeing it, you know, the passing of No Child Left Inside programs. Um, so that's great. Uh, but I think the challenge now that the issue is taken seriously, and that comes back to Richard Louv, making sure that there was evidence-based and that also you were connecting these communities. But that's the real challenge. And I know, Drew, that, that we've dealt with this too, and you've dealt with this. Like, how do you take now all the disparate kind of sectors that see the outdoors in some way as a part of what they're doing, but not everything that they're doing, and start to really network, connect, make sure that these communities are connected. And I think, you know, the Children Nature Network is an organization that's virtual, that never, you know, doesn't want to be a staff-driven, heavy program organization. We don't really have any programs. What we want to be focused on, I think, in the next 10 years is giving that technical assistance, building out the network, and making sure that there's a communication platform. And I think a lot of people use the Children Nation Network for that, that connects both the grass tops and the grassroots leaders together from multiple sectors to make sure that nature is not just a nice to have, but is a need to have and organized in a way where it can make impact. When I was looking at the Children in Nature Network website and looking at the, your news page and just the, the articles that have come out in the last month, I think sum up the fact that people are taking it seriously. I mean, there was a Sierra Club article on Outdoors for All, a, a new global movement proclaims that access to nature is a human right. The second article was, you know, World Health Organization says limited or no screen time for kids under five is a good idea. The third one was a story, lack of outdoor play is making kids unknowledgeable about the food we grow in our gardens. Um, and finally, stressed out Americans only get 43 minutes of me time per day, but solution might lay in their backyards. You know, the fact that people are taking it seriously and thinking about it is, is a great first step. But I'll throw this back to Juan. What do you think in terms of looking at this and looking at the trajectory and you know, um, uh, factoring in, obviously there's always setbacks, but you know, in, in the 10, 15 year, um, zone, what, what are, what are we looking at here? What's, what's a, what's a great outcome? Yeah. I think for us at Fresh Tracks, a big question to ask and to answer is how do we empower a generation of culturally diverse leaders? 
And for us, the answer leading up to that in, in 10 years is by bringing them together, giving them the platform to share the impact and their powerful stories and the narrative of what they bring to the table, inviting them to find the common ground in the outdoors. I think the outdoors really provides that platform of equal, um, equal welcoming gate for, for a lot of people, um, also addressing the inequities in that as well. Um, and then above all, letting them tell us what it means to be an active citizen. I think as, as the generations shift and, and evolve and, and new tools become a, uh, relevant, that we need to be more comprehensive about the strategies of how we define a win uh, within those communities as well and, and what those wins mean. Um, and then hand them the tools to really change the world. And, and ultimately, that's how we're going to push back against the forces that are really dividing us by by identifying the small wedges in, in our understanding of each other and, and making them bigger than they seem. And, um, uh, that's that's I think one of what what I see um, us and how we can ignite the 21st century movement at leaders, advocates, and educators who are going to shape the future and collective impact through compassionate policies. Let's talk just briefly in, uh, about the international conference in May. What, what is that's coming up in a couple of weeks? What, what does that look like? Is that a is that a public event? Is that a um, a private event? Where is it happening? All those things. So that's a, a public event uh, happening May fourteenth to the uh, May fifteenth to the through the seventeenth. Um, invite everybody to come out. Uh, you can still register if you haven't done so. Please do come join us. <laughs> uh, sure. I think for us at, at the Children Nature Network, um, uh, this is really a culmination of everything that that we stand for. One of them is to share the information and the latest information that's coming out of the field. Um, to be able to give the platform to the experts and and the leaders who are leading the uh, and paving the way forward for for the movement at large. Um, and then uh, it's it's not often that we get an opportunity to convene and, and get some of the brightest minds together uh, in the field who are doing, uh, whether that's research, whether that's grassroots community action, or whether that's um, being a, a, a family member who's just interested in, in learning more. I think that yeah, there's an on-ramp for everybody to, to come and be a part of this uh, movement building. That's great. And, and what is the, what's the venue for it? It's going to be at the uh, in Oakland at the at the Marriott Convention Center. Yep. and expecting over a thousand participants. And again, it's a, an opportunity, um, you know, to bring grassroots and grass tops leaders from around the world. So we are quite excited about it. And um, you know, I will just add, it goes into our world, Drew, a little bit. We will be hosting a, a roundtable on state policy that'll be kind of uh, highlighting the New Mexico Outdoor Recreation Office and the equity. Uh, Fund that goes with it and um, have participation by the outdoor industry, outdoor foundation and REI. And I just will say Mark Brake and REI, I think it's very important to say this. Um, REI has been there, REI um, through the leadership of Kristen Reagan and, and Mark Brake has been there every step of the way for, for us with Fresh Tracks and with the work that we're doing. And it's pretty unbelievable that you have an outdoor industry partner who's been willing to kind of step into somewhat kind of uncomfortable new territory and break through the sector. And I just want to make sure that we really do give them a shout out because um, they've been there since day one and have helped us grow to where we are today. 
There we go. And, and where, where would somebody, um, would they register or find information for the event through the Children in Nature Network website? Yep, childrennature.org. Um, anybody can go on and, and learn more or look us up on social media. Um, you can, you'll, you'll find all the good stuff there. Hey, uh, well, it sounds awesome. If, I, if it was a little bit closer, I would go, but I'm a little bit, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. But uh, you guys are the best. I really, I, I really enjoyed it. That's, uh, hopefully that was a, um, a, a decent use of your time. I, I, certainly, um, I certainly appreciate you, you guys taking some time out of your schedule to chat with me. Well, Drew, I just want to say a thank you to you. You are a true leader in this space. Um, you break down silos. You're, you define uh, being a good partner. And just know that um, on behalf of Children Age Network, Fresh Tracks, myself, um, just thank you. And we're here to partner with you in any way and really appreciate you giving us a platform to talk about the work that we're doing. Because um, at the end of the day, this, these young people that we're supporting and empowering, um, they really are not just the leaders of tomorrow, but the leaders of today. Yeah, they should be doing the podcast because I'm not very good at this. So, I, uh, well, Juan, thanks, thanks a bunch, man. I, I really appreciate your time as well. Likewise, good stuff. Thanks. All right. Man.